Okay, Daniel chapter 5, one verse here, the 12th verse, it says, Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting of dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. So this was at a time where the leadership of the nation needed some Help. They needed discerning and a wise man. And so they chose Daniel out of all of the leaders and all of those that were in positions of authority. Daniel was found to have an excellent spirit. And so the king trusted him and called upon him. And Daniel went ahead and served him in his hour of need. Here we see in Daniel chapter 6 in the third verse, it says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. The testimony of Daniel consistently through his life was that he did all things well. He had an excellent spirit. And we're going to learn today some lessons uh, from the life of Daniel. In order to do that, let's go back to our reading out of the first chapter. I'm going to pick up in the eighth verse and follow me as we read God's word together down through the 21st verse. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Uh, then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portions of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portions of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for um, these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, uh, and the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, uh, among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Thus, Daniel continued, continued into the first year of King Cyrus, ten times better. Uh, this is the result of God's manifold blessing upon Daniel, but it was intentional. I, I like this quote by Aristotle. He said this, excellence is never an accident. It is always the result of high intentions, sincere effort and execution. The execution part is sometimes the, 
the one that we get trip up on, tripped up on. Many times we have right intentions, we have good motives, but sometimes it's the follow through, the execution that we don't always do. But I believe that excellence also is never an accident, that no one comes into a place of prominence or prestige accidentally. Promotion comes from the Lord, and the Lord blesses an individual because they're in a posture or position to be blessed. It's no accident when the hand of the Lord is upon someone, when God gives them wisdom and understanding and knowledge, when they're able to use those skills and abilities to serve and to help others. And we see, once again, the definition of excellence is this, doing our best with what God has given or entrusted unto us. We are stewards of this life, of all the things that, and the many, many things that God has entrusted unto us. May we be found faithful. And I'm encouraging us all that we should strive to excel. That's what excellence is about. I'm striving to excel in knowledge, in my attitude, in my work ethic, in my stewardship, my morals, my relationships, and, of course, in my character and my conduct. And developing excellence is a process. And and Daniel started off, you know, with a, a pretty tough hand that was dealt unto him. But he accepted that hand and he submitted and yielded himself unto the will of God. And uh, there he served the Babylonians in a foreign land. And he came upon this, this first encounter of a real test where he was tempted to compromise. And we learned last week that he was a man who overcame temptations. He didn't let temptations overcome him. And, and in this first temptation where where he was being presented with the best of the king's food and access unto his his vineyard or his wines, and that he chose not to partake of the king's delicacies nor to partake of his wine. And uh, the eunuch, which we would say would be the chancellor or the president of the university, was concerned about his job and really his own well-being. And he appealed to Daniel and he said, you know, if, if this doesn't turn out good, it's not... Gonna, I'm not con- so much concerned about you, but I, I'm really concerned about my own head. This could be the end of, 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 my, uh, of my life. And Daniel had such confidence and such faith and such assurance in God. He said, hey, let's, let's prove this thing out. And for the next 10 days, I just want you to feed, feed me and my friends vegetables. And then at the end of this time, let's see whose appearance uh, and uh, looks the best. And so they they proved out the process and it and it came to everyone's conclusion wow you guys really look healthy you look good but i'm going to add this it was it was more than the external it was what was going on all the while that god was adding unto them wisdom and knowledge and understanding notice i want to uh, draw your attention it was for 10 days so every day that they passed that test they got one time better second day two times better Sixth day, six times better. Eighth day, eighth time better. Tenth day, ten times better. It happens day by day. How does a person go from average to excellent day by day by day? They choose to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. They pass the test day by day. And at the end of those ten days, the testimony was, you guys are ten times better. Every day we should strive to get better. That's living a life of excellence. And we all have deficiencies. We're imperfect people, but God brings us perfect counsel, 
counsel. He helps us with his perfect gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and so through the means of the Spirit and through the Word of God, we can excel. And we can excel in what areas? Let me remind you once again, let's excel in our attitude. Let's excel in our work ethic, in our stewardship, our morals, our relationships. And, of course, then in the end, people will say that we're people of high character or high virtues. This morning, I want to take a minute and look at 10 lessons on how to be 10 times better. And and this isn't just a list that we check off, but this is a lifestyle that we need to be committed to. The the first thing that I want to draw to your attention when it comes to being a person of character and substance is that that if we're going to learn something from the lessons in the life of Daniel that are documented for us, the first thing I want to draw your attention to is that Daniel honored his father and mother. Daniel grew up in a royal family, uh, a place of where education and and uh, opportunity were afforded unto him, but but he also grew up within, if we want to put it in this language, he grew up within the framework of a family of faith. And he was taught the way of faith. He was taught about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he studied the first five books of the Bible, which are known as the Pentateuch or the book of Moses. Uh, and, and at a very young age, by 13, he would have had a good handle on the laws and the commandments and the statutes of God. And these protected him. The psalm says, how can a person live a life above reproach or above sin by hiding God's word in their heart? Daniel was brought up in the faith. And that faith gave him a foundation. And that foundation helped him in a time of trouble and in a season of trouble and living a life really that was full of challenges. He Honored his father and mother. I want to just draw your attention to a couple of verses here. Daniel in chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, uh, the uh, master of the eunuch, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. The, this is the, the, the time where Nebuchadnezzar is going in from Babylon over to Jerusalem. It's over a 500-mile journey. Ezra the priest documented in his writings that it, it took him upwards to four months to travel this distance. Uh, uh, other uh, Josephus writes in his early church writings that, that if a, uh, a, a family traveled, it would be at least four months. If an army traveled, they could travel much more swiftly because uh, they were trained to travel. But if uh, if you think about that, 500 miles and so upwards to four months to go from Babylon to Jerusalem. And these these two communities were as polar opposite as you could come. And so Babylon is, as we know, a type of the world, a type of worldliness or carnality. And Jerusalem would be a type of godliness or righteousness. And uh because of the people of God's disobedient for 490 years not to honor the Sabbath, they went into 70 years of captivity. So God permitted Nebuchadnezzar, this unrighteous ruler, 
uh, not only access to the people of Jerusalem, but to their brightest and to the, the most desired uh, of, of their youth and uh, to those that were of nobility. And he came in and he took not only uh, the cream of the crop, but he also took all the gold and all the precious articles out of the temple and ended up destroying a portion of the temple, all which was a fulfillment of God's prophetic word for his people through Jeremiah at that time. And and these are things that sometimes we wrestle with. You know, how is it that that, you know, a nation like ours at one time, which was a flagship nation for Christianity and for world missions and and how have we slipped so far? And and uh, let me remind you that you slip just like you gain. You slip one day at a time. Just like you gain ground and get better one day at a time, our nation got worse one day at a time. And we perhaps weren't really paying attention. Or maybe we thought it would never happen or never transpire. Or we would never see what's going in our nation, in our generation transpire. But here we are experiencing a lot of issues in our country. And we just can't have an ostrich mentality about this. We have to have the mind of Christ. We have to understand what the will of the Lord is. And we have to be committed to being Christians in this time of history. And Daniel, Daniel honored his father and mother. He honored them. He kept what they had entrusted into his care. And God blessed him as a result of that. We know that honoring our father and mother is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And so I I gleaned that from the life of Daniel. Also in verse 6, and it says, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the sons of Judah, is a term or a title of significant influencers. So Daniel was an influencer. He was, he was a person that was being groomed for leadership, for greatness among his own people. He would live that out in a, in a, in a way that he never imagined, but he stayed true to the commandments, the statutes, the ordinances that he was taught, and God blessed him as a result of that. Daniel was not vain or not conceited. In verse 4 of Daniel, chapter 1, it says, This is the testimony about, about Daniel and his contemporaries, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Uh, Daniel, Daniel was a guy that had some stuff going on. He was, he was tall, dark, and handsome, as we might say. I mean, good looking and had aptitude. He wasn't just a, a handsome face. He had a good head on his shoulders. He had a good head on his shoulders. And, uh, that, that's something that, you know, when you get someone who's good looking and has a good head on their shoulders, then you have to be careful that their head doesn't get too big for their shoulders. Can I get an amen? Daniel did not allow himself to become, you know, arrogant or conceited. Uh, he didn't fall in love with the mirror. Uh, he didn't think he was the fairest of them all. Uh, he knew, he, he knew that he was not, you know, he didn't create himself. And so the package that he was, and scripture talks about it, says that he was, he was a handsome, 
He was a handsome man. I guess People Magazine would have named him the most handsome Jew uh, on the face of the earth in his generation. All right. So here we go. Number three, Daniel relied on God for wisdom and understanding. He relied on God for wisdom and understanding. And the testimony over and over again through the book of Daniel is that he looked to the Lord and asked for wisdom. And, and he, he was someone that others recognized was wise and understanding in all matters. And, uh, therefore he was, he was someone that people called upon in a time of trouble and in, in a time of difficulty. When, when you begin to stand out above your contemporaries, above your coworkers, and, and even within your family, uh, some of you, uh, maybe don't have a, a Christian heritage, but people begin to see the difference. Uh, that walking with the Lord is making in your life, then you shine brightly as the stars of heaven. And, 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 you know, having wisdom and knowledge and understanding opens the door to help people who are hurting, who lack it. And, and Daniel used those abilities that he sought God for, not for himself, but for others. And then number four is Daniel kept his heart sensitive to God. Uh, if there's, there's something that I could really stand on a podium or a soapbox and jump up and down about this. This might be one of the most important and vital truths for us as Christians. It says in uh, verse 17 that God gave unto them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and in all dreams. He maintained a sensitive heart to God in chapter two and verse 30 reminds us that but as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than uh, anyone living. Once again, we see the humility and the lack of conceit and arrogance in the life of Daniel. But for our sake, who, uh, who make known the interpretation to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Daniel wasn't just thinking about himself. Daniel had just such an excellent spirit because he maintained a tender and a pliable and a teachable heart. Uh, you know, if you're good looking and, and other people begin to say, you know, wow, you're really sharp and you're really handsome or you're really beautiful or, and, uh, and you may start to rely on the word of others, but, but that wasn't the testimony of Daniel. He relied on and depended on the wisdom, the understanding of God. And he received that because he stayed pliable and teachable. He didn't let his head get bigger than his shoulders. The fifth one is the disciplines in which Daniel had in his life consistently. Daniel prayed and Daniel fasted. Daniel prayed and Daniel fasted. And, and fasting is more than, than just the abstinence of food. It's the seeking of God. And it's, it's really falling on our face before him and calling upon him. And so Daniel was a person of prayer. He was a person also who fasted and living a life of fasting where he would set aside time to seek the Lord, allowed his spirit to become excellent. He began to excel. He became, he became uh, very, very sensitive to the things of God. All right. You guys ready for the next? Daniel did not compromise. We read this morning about how you know, that he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't partake. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Uh, you know, to be prepared is, is such a, a key to overcoming temptation. And 
And being prepared just means that Daniel already, before he was ever tempted or ever tested or ever tried, already determined what path he was going to walk on. And when you and I walk out of our home every single day, if you've already purposed in your heart that you're not going to allow this world to defile you, you're already one step ahead of the enemy. If we walk out of the door of our home and we're not prepared for the battle that we're about to encounter, then the enemy could take advantage of us. So Daniel was pre-armed because he was prepared. And he put on, he put on the proper attire. He adorned himself in godliness and he went out into a culture that was not godly and he conducted himself in a way that was pleasing unto the Lord. So he didn't compromise. You know, Jesus talked about compromise by using the story and the illustration of leaven. And leaven in all of Jesus' parables has a negative connotation except in one place. In one place, he likened the kingdom of God unto leaven. And in Jesus using that illustration, he says godliness, godliness or living a life for the king and his kingdom will be just as powerful and just as influential and will be positive just as if you gave place to darkness or to deception. You know, if we give place to darkness or deception, just a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It penetrates every area of our life because if we start compromising in one area, then we start compromising in other areas. But if you start putting godliness and godly virtues and you allow God's spirit to direct your lives, then that will also penetrate every area of your life for the goodness and the glory of God. So if you're going to bend, bend your neck and yield to God and submit to him and don't compromise by giving place to the flesh or the things of this world. All right. Daniel honored authority. We can see this throughout the first six chapters and really throughout the life of Daniel that he when the king called for him, he came. And uh, when the king requested his counsel, he gave them counsel. Uh, and the, the king's hearts uh, had to just uh, had to be humbled by this man as he came to him. They, they were aware of, of his upbringing and his background, and, and they, uh, they became, uh, I would say, uh, in step with those that had conspiracies against Daniel um, and those that were, were trying to uh, take Daniel out and to find fault with him. But uh, Daniel stayed in a position where he continued to honor authority. This is a great test. This is a, a test for many in our culture today. And, uh, and one that I pray that we would pass with flying colors is in sometimes people wrestle with, you know, well, God established all authority, but, you know, do I obey God or do I obey man? And where are the lines and, and what is the right path to take? Well, if we're looking, if we're looking to be self-righteous, it's like looking for anything else. We can always find a reason for it. If you're, if you're looking to find fault with someone, you won't have to look long to find fault with someone. If, if you're looking to, to find a reason to be self-justified, you won't have to think long in order to come up reasons why it's okay for us to behave certain ways. 
But if you want to really put it on the scales of justice, you have to lay every motive, every intent, every attitude before God and let him determine. You have to say, is my way my way or is my way God's way? Are my thoughts my thoughts or are my thoughts godly thoughts? And if we want to look at this test of honoring authority, then we have to lay it all down before the Lord and say, am I angry and do I have an agenda or am I seeking counsel and understanding and knowledge? And those are difficult things for independent, proud Westerners to consider. Couldn't I get at least a hearty amen along those lines? It's a test, but it's a test that we can pass because we've been given good instruction in the word of God. I closed last week's message with this admonition. Let's stay on God's side. So let's get back to the question of when is it right to obey God rather than man? You know the answer as well as I do. Because if you're asking that question, it's like people asking. I'm going to keep giving you illustrations along these lines. Is that okay? It's like people who say, you know, God doesn't care if I drink a little. And I'm, I'm like, right. But you don't want to drink a little. You want to drink. You want to justify drinking as a means or a lifestyle that's pleasing to the Lord. So you can find a few t- texts where Paul said to Timothy, have a little wine for your stomach's sake. Sure does get quiet when we hit home, doesn't it? Have a little wine for your stomach's sake. Well, in a culture that was filled with dysentery because of the water and the impurity of the water, you'd want a little fermented drink also so that you weren't have an upset stomach. But we don't have that issue in America. What we have an issue with is authority and compromise at times. And Daniel is a great example unto us of that he just wasn't going to partake because some people's personality is compulsive and one drink leads to addiction. One drink can lead them down a road of bondage. And therefore, we put, we don't want to put a stumbling block in anyone's occasion. Now, I, I want to, I'm going to balance this all out. So some of you who sort of have your dander up right now, just relax for a minute, okay? Having a drink is not... going to get your name excluded from the Lamb's Book of Life. But if you'll follow my appeal to you pastorally, it's why do we do what we do? What's my motive? What's my intent? Who's in charge? Who's the master and who's the servant? Who has control? Who has power at that moment? And we can say this in regards to any situation. So getting back to honoring authority, and we'll get off of that illustration, but it's so applicable in the world in which we live in. And I'm not here to critique or condemn or criticize people. I know multitudes of people, multitudes of people who love God, and who have a glass of wine occasionally or have an alcoholic beverage with dinner. I know them. Some of them are even in my own household. 
Yet I know they're born again. But let's continue to follow this train of thinking all the way to the end. And that is that we want to continue to excel as Christians. We want to continue to grow. We want to have an excellent spirit. So if that was just one area in their life that they hadn't really submitted or yield or given over to the Lord, well, that, of course, could be an area where they could grow and excel and become excellent in, become a good example in. So getting back to authority, all right? So when we talk about authority, when is it right? When is it right to obey God over man? You wondered if I remembered where I was. Exactly, I remember where I was. It's always right to obey God. Always right. You never go wrong obeying God. But when it comes to obeying man, I can obey man as long as they're not asking me to disobey God. And it's a really easy test when you break it down to its lowest common denominators. But when we throw in our self-righteousness and our self-justification and what we believe we can do, then we're really not presenting ourselves as an acceptable sacrifice before the Lord. And we're not really considering what his ways are compared to our ways. So this is an area where Daniel was offered the best wine of the land, correct? Or he was offered the best positions if he would only yield and give place to the culture. But he chose not to. All right, moving on. Daniel told the truth and was an influencer. I mean, imagine that Daniel was like any of us if he was brought before the king and just tell the king what they want to hear. But he told the king exactly what they needed to hear. And it troubled Nebuchadnezzar at first. The first dream that he had, it really troubled him. And then he had a second dream, and Daniel interpreted that second dream to help him with the trouble that he had with the first dream. And Daniel was someone who was just committed. This is what the Lord has said to me, and therefore this is what I say to you. And as a result of that, he became someone that was an influencer and people recognized the hand of God upon him and saw that he was really, really a step above the rest. Daniel did not fight God's providential placement. He did not fight God's providential placement. And um, let me explain this briefly. The, the providence of God isn't something that full gospel or charismatic people um, you know, talk about a lot, and yet it's it's a real big narrative in Scripture. Uh, Paul talked about it in the book of Acts chapter 17 when he went unto uh, the city, of, uh, went unto the Greek people, and uh, he was in Athens, and he had this great uh, message that he delivered on Mars Hill, but he started off the message by talking about the providence of God. And the, and the providence of God is the placement of God of us historically in the place that he wants us to be, in the nation he wants us to be, in the family he wants us to be for the purposes of his glory. And everyone who, who has ever been born or who, who has ever lived has, has maybe uh, romanticized of living in another time, in another place, uh, underneath, you know, with other people. But the providence of God is he puts you where you are for his glory. 
And Paul said, when it comes to the providence of God, that there is a struggle or a groping or a difficulty in wherever God placed you in whatever time frame in history, whatever family, uh, whatever, whatever uh, uh, country, wherever God placed you, there's always been turmoil. There's always been trouble. There's always been resistance. And what he says is in that groping and in that difficulty and in that struggle that that we would yield and submit to God sovereignly and we would say, not my will, but your will. You determined when I would live, when I was born in the day that I'll take my last breath and I, I submit and I yield unto you. And and when scripture describes it as groping or as struggling, that's something we all have in common. And the end of this struggle is this promise that you would find God. That we would find God. In our struggles, we get stronger and we realize God has been with us ever since we've been here. Maybe I didn't see him. Maybe I didn't recognize him. Maybe I didn't acknowledge him, but he's always been here. He's always been present. So Daniel recognized and accepted God's providential care for his life and committed himself to serve the Lord where he was. And then the last is Daniel lived to please and to glorify God. And we're going to finish by just reading this single verse in Daniel chapter 6. And this is the king after Daniel had spent the night in the lion's den. In verse 20, and when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And so Daniel lived a life day in and day out that was pleasing unto the Lord. I want to invite you to stand as I read the last portion of scripture and I want you to look upon the screen with me and follow the text. Because developing an excellent spirit is the result of daily yielding and submitting to the Lord God as the one true and living God. Living for God, Scripture says, is profitable now and for all eternity. Paul, writing to the church, gives us this counsel in chapter 4 and in verse 7. And reading down several verses, he says, But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Uh, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands, Of the eldership, meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, 
continue in them for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.